0: Hello there, and welcome
1: to Almost Thirty Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista. Welcome to the show. Greetings. 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 I feel like this is the this is the show that is is going to be a marker of what people tell other people about this show is about. Yes. Which is, <laughs> this is a show that yeah 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 we're going to talk about health and wellness, but then you'll also learn how to communicate with your animals. Yes.
0: <laughs> It's connection, it's important, mm-hmm. you know. Like we want to support you at all facets of your spiritual life, your emotional life, your physical life, and animals are so important to your emotional health, to your physical health, they have healing properties and your spiritual health. Yes. Um, so this is with Miranda Alcott, who is my animal communicator that I've been working with for two years since I adopted my kitties. Um, here in Los Angeles at Stray Cat Alliance. Stray Cat Alliance is incredible. I love them so much. And she's helped me and the kitties so, so much. It's been really powerful. So I'm excited to introduce her Mm -hmm. to you all today. This is something that when I share about um, talking to my animals on stories, it's probably one of my most requested conversations. It's like one of my most popular things that I talk about because I think people are so interested and excited to be able to connect with their animals more deeply.
1: Yeah. And I I don't currently have an animal, but I grew up with animals. And yeah, there's this, I think, especially as children, like we're so in tune with, with animals in general, whether it's bugs and we're outside and we just pick up on that and actually just even the conversation with Miranda just made me think a lot about like how that is, how this work and practicing this more is tending to that inner child because there is that just natural ability, I think, to connect with um, animals when you're younger and it's so soothing. It's so comforting and peaceful and it keeps your heart open. It's
0: just the best. I remember I used to nanny this family for years and the littlest boy, his name was... um, his name was Connor and he was so sweet. And I remember one time we were outside and there was like a stray cat that was playing and, or that was like nearby. And I was like, oh, Connor. I was like, what's that cat's name? He's like Crocker. And he's like, Crocker is scared to come over here, but he knows that there's, food. he just started saying all these things that the animal was saying. He knew the name right away. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I'll never forget it because I was like, It was really powerful because kids who have all these intuitive gifts that oftentimes get shut down when they get to high school, when they get to middle school, are able to tap in. And it is part of that inner child work where you're able to really be in that state of presence, in that state of intention, in that state of magic, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I was watching, my mom took so many videos of us and I was like talking
1: to this praying mantis and like she was coming up on me, but I was having this conversation kind of privately. And then I noticed she was there and then I was like, I was telling her what, like, he told me his name was and just, like, how he, you know, was just, like, praying, wanted to be left alone, but,
0: like, I can stand there. and (laughs) I love that. Praying mantises are actually from an alien perspective. Mm -hmm. So we also talk about aliens every once in a while. There's a species of alien, which is praying mantis Mm -hmm. of sorts. So Mm -hmm. very true and very interesting that you were portal hopping (laughs) and dimension hopping at this point. So Miranda Alcott, she is a animal medical intuitive. She is a crisis intervention counselor. She's an animal communicator. She has um, a master's degree in spiritual psychology at University of Santa Monica. She's worked at both Columbine and the World Trade Center and Ground Zero on site. So she has a really powerful background and she's a very, very spiritual being. So at the beginning of this conversation, we talk a lot about her journey Mm -hmm. as like this incarnated soul on earth, having this spiritual experience. Experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fascinating that she came into uh
1: this life, kind of having a memory of her last life and just having this kind of reorientation to why is it different here? And, you know, why is my relationship with my parents different in this lifetime? It was really, really beautiful. Um, and I mean, as as young as three years old, just knowing and understanding that she had. Uh, these gifts and eventually learning that while, yes, everyone has them, not everyone is is aware of them. Um, So, it's really, really fascinating. We also had um, her service dog and it was just... Alice. (laughs) Alice was here and we were also commentating on the interaction between Fuji, who is here in the shot right now, if you're (laughs) watching on YouTube, between Fuji and Alice, which was like a
0: beautiful interaction fuji did so well yes fuji's my black torty cat she's my best friend in the world besides Lindsay. Mm -hmm. and she was not scared at all she was like a little bit having a moment but we had to have a slow introduction to them and then i have another kitty oogie who's a very scared cat so she didn't really come out the entire time but this Mm -hmm. conversation is so exciting because um I love to learn more about the animal kingdom, about animal personalities, about how we can support our animals, about some of the changes that were brought on to the lives of our animals and pets since the pandemic. So I think about all of the things that we talk about since 2020 and Mm -hmm. how we've had these powerful shifts in our lives and in the lives of everything around us. But our animals have also had changes and shifts in their life. So we talk a little bit about that and how to support our animals.
1: Yes. We also talk about her harmonious listening approach and what that entails. Um, She shares incredible stories of what animals have taught her and really like Messages that they wanted to bring through to the collective, and they were really beautiful and oftentimes very funny. Common themes with animals and their messages, personality of animals and how they differ, the culture of different animals um, and species. And uh, I think you're gonna you guys are gonna really, really love this one. She is actually offering. Of course, at the beginning of June, it starts its uh, harmonious listening level one. So, if you are wanting to communicate and connect with your pets on a deeper, more intuitive level, this is for you.
0: Yes, I'm excited for you guys to dig in. MirandaAlcott.com. You can schedule a session to connect with your animal. You can connect with an animal that is past, and you can connect with your animal for just behavioral reasons to understand more about them and your relationship, or if they're having health issues. As well. So, I highly recommend this if you have adopted an animal, if you have um, an animal that's experiencing some behavioral issues, or you feel like you just want to know them better. I think this is a really, really powerful thing that you could do for the health of your animal and your relationship.
1: Beautiful. Thank you guys so much for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. It means a lot to us. Hello, Fuji. Uh, Share this episode with a friend. Any other episodes as well that just have meant a lot to you. It's so cool to pass it along to someone you love. So we will see you on the other side of this one. Enjoy. And we'll see you soon. Enjoy. Love you. Bye. I am a firm believer because I have experienced it of the power of treating Your skin, hair, nails from the inside out. And my number one suggestion when people ask about skin and hair is collagen. And I have been getting my collagen so easily in very convenient single serving packets of bone broth concentrate. So I add this to hot water. It's beauty and the broth, baby. And they do it right. I love it so much. It is. So delicious, so clean, it's organic. And honestly, this rich elixir is naturally occurring collagen and it helps your gut. It helps curb cravings and it gives you a boost of energy. It's great for immunity. And of course, just the beauty benefits are unbelievable. What I really love is that they use 100% whole organic and collagen rich ingredients and bones to create their shelf stable, compact concentrate that is two times stronger than any other broth on the market after water is added. And I love this concentrated format. Um, It just makes it so easy. I can bring it on the road. I literally had it in the airport the other day. I just added it to hot water. It's phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. No artificial flavors, preservatives, phthalates, sugar, and no salt added. Again, it's all organic grass fed ranch raised beef and vegetarian fed free range chicken bones. They also have a vegan option, vegetarian option on there. Amazing. So if you are looking for glowing skin, strong nails and hair, improved recovery, increased energy, better sleep, uh, better digestion, better immunity, clearer head, a healed gut, y'all. I highly recommend adding bone broth to your routine. So go to thebeautyandthebroth.com, thebeautyandthebroth.com, and use the code ALMOST30NATION for 20% off. That's com. Use the code ALMOST30NATION for 20% off.
0: So we just had to introduce the lovely Alice, which is Miranda's support dog to Fuji. And it was quite the event. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we had to introduce them both. It was pretty amazing. And Miranda's been my amazing animal communicator for the past year or so, probably two years since I first got the babies. And it has been the most powerful, transformative thing and something I love to talk about with our community. So I'm so grateful that you're here to talk about all things animal communication and spirituality. It's so powerful and important.
2: Thank you. Thank you for inviting us to be here. Alice is very excited too. <laughs> she's, I can <could> tell. <laughs> she, yeah, she's a rare service dog in that she's a hearing service dog. She's also an MD, which is multiple disabilities. So, she's amazing what she does. Mm. Just amazing.
1: How, just on that note with, with Alice and other service dogs that you've had, I suppose... Well, how extensive, like, is their training around your disabilities? You said you walked in and you were signing to her. I just thought that was so
2: fascinating. Yeah, so she's sign language trained as well as sound trained. And I actually, I do this with all my dogs. She's now I trained. So if she's in the kitchen and we've discussed that there are no dogs allowed in the kitchen, they're allowed to a certain point, I'll just, and she'll go, whoa, and back up and just... (laughs) You know, like, really? Only I don't even have to say really. (laughs) She's she's gone. Wow. Yeah. But service dogs, real service dogs, um, and I say that because there's always a challenge about it, go through two years of five-days-a-week training. It's very serious. And also their breeding is such that they are bred to be calm. You look for that, paying attention, focusing. And then with her, I requested that they train assistance dogs of the West. They're phenomenal, 25 years, and they're located in Santa Fe. But um, I requested that she be exposed because I work with animals to many animals. So they worked with her with llamas and pigs and chickens and cats and horses. Yeah.
0: And for you, what does Alice support you with, just so the community and the audience understands about your hearing?
2: So I have had three traumatic brain injuries over the years, so I've developed coping strategies like crazy. And because of hearing nerve damage and concussion and all of that, I process incoming information differently. Also, uh, my hearing deficit, when I lost my hearing... I asked my teachers, none of whom were in physical form at that point, why did I lose my hearing? And they said, because you weren't listening. It's like, and we had a baby living next to us, a newborn baby that the parents in the house next door were torturing. And I couldn't stand it. We reported, and they said, oh, no, everything was fine. The police came. And I just, I couldn't handle that. That was a big part of not wanting to hear Uh, and then I used to be a professional musician as well, and I was the only person that wore earplugs, side of the crash cymbal, side of the guitar player, because I was concerned about what hearing I had to keep it. Then more car accidents, and then I ended up not losing my hearing and not knowing how to navigate. So I went from having a musical career to not, and learn to navigate that. And the service dogs, the hearing dogs are phenomenal because they blaze the way. When I got my first hearing dog, I learned to watch her ear, his ears. Um, because if the ears go, my head goes. I know that there is information where those ears are pointed. So that was my first training, you know. So lots of growth. And um, the second time I asked, like four years later, Why did I lose my hearing? They said the same thing, because you weren't listening. I thought, you know, because the work that I've done for many years deepened when I lost my hearing. Colors became brighter, much more of looking at vignettes taking place internally and externally, all kinds of different frequencies working simultaneously. So my skills got deeper and more involved and more perfected. And then I found that with my tenacity, I would be given another gift of a skill set to then start working with. Mm. So, so, but the third time I asked my teachers, I was ready for them. So I said, why did I lose my hearing? They said, because you weren't listening. And I said, well, I am now. <laughs> and they said, and you will hear again. And I thought, how is that possible? This is going back 30 plus years. This is how this is all possible. I have amazing equipment underneath this. And and now I get to participate a lot more. But when I take them out, I have a piece that you guys don't have. <laughs> P-E-A-C-E. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is. So, that There's is something so true. called visual noise, which yes. I'm very susceptible to. But mm-hmm. well, that's yeah. like a highly sensitive
0: person as well, where you're very you know, you're, you're taking in a lot more than other people. And I'm sure as someone that's so intuitive, you know, you're very into the subtle energies of everything. So what was your journey to speaking with animals? Like, what was the first animal that you talked to where you realized that you had this capability?
2: Which lifetime? Yes. Let's talk about this one. Yes. <laughs> well, because I came into this life remembering more than most, so blessed, and I couldn't I couldn't imagine how 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 could you not know where you just were, you know, uh, and uh, I feel the presence coming yeah. near the door. <laughs> she may make it in. That's great. <laughs> um, and so my journey started with um, wondering why my parents weren't acting the way where I had just been and what I had experienced, and from a past life. Yeah. Yes. And I remember, you know, I mean, I was, I was awake in the sense when I was born. So I remembered the agreements before coming into this lifetime and then just aware of what was going on. And my parents said to me, honey, that's nice, but keep it in the house. And which was really supportive of them because it was protection. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't realize I'd have to adjust that people didn't do all of this. I thought everybody did. And I was I was told I was coming here to be a teacher in this lifetime. However, when I got here, I I had a really hard adjustment, really deep adjustment, very humbling, and you know, Miranda, if you're going to teach, you're just going to have to get in touch with where you are. So, it was good. And um and the first time i remember feeling the outside world was so very different was when i was 3 and i was playing with the uh i was playing with the ladybugs in our garden we're having a good time and my mom told me we had to come in see we that's how i look at it that i had to come in and change my clothes because someone was coming and i thought I don't want to change my clothes. I was a tomboy. Like, why would you? <laughs> like, but anyway, so the ladybug said, no, someone important is coming, so you need to change your thing." So I went inside, changed my clothes, and I met my great aunt and uncle, and I had never met them before. And my great uncle, and I've never said this before, was one of the original photographers who entered King Tut's tomb in the 30s when they opened it, they had opened it. I have a deep background in parapsychology because as I was growing up, my parents um, realized how different I was in trying to figure out what do we do with this, you know. Um, my dad in that same house, when I was still three years old, he was an architect, and he would sometimes do remodels. So, Someone was coming, and I asked Dad if I could be with him, and he said, yes, but you have to be quiet. You can sit in the garden with us. So we sat out in this little patio, and this man came. And he sat down, and my dad had forgotten a plan, so he said, I'll be right back to the gentleman, and he left. And I was sitting there watching the man. And over his head, I could see this man and this woman, and they were sort of intimate, hugging or kissing or something. And he, the man, had this look on his face. And when I watched around him, I could hear him say, help me, please help me. And I was thinking, no, he's an adult. And I've been taught that you don't... Speak to an adult unless they speak to you. And he's an adult because he's taller than me. Well, pretty much everyone was taller than me mm-hmm. at three or so. Mm-hmm. Later, I understood and tracked it backwards. His wife was having an affair with someone and he was in pain. Mm. And I didn't know what to do because I only knew the man who was my dad, who, you know, didn't have that kind of stuff going on. You know, so at nine years old, my parents then became on the board of ASPR, American Society for Psychical Research, and they served for 17 years. So once a month, we would have the latest, greatest, medium sensitive come to our house to present their wares to the board to see if they were the real deal. So I was in bed. (laughs) <laughs> and I got to be between the chairs and everything, and watching them to see who the who the real ones were, and how did they deal with what I had? Like what most of them smoked, yeah, oh, or oh. ate sugar and had diabetes. Mm. That was how they grounded themselves. Wow did you, did your
1: parents join the board to support you? I, I believe they did to understand. Yeah, that's because nice. they, yeah. That's so sweet. I mean, three years old, that's very young. Yeah. So how did you learn over time to turn it on, turn it, not turn it off, but kind of discern? Because to have your senses open and on like that all the time must have been really, really intense for a child. So did you learn or were you guided? on well, how to do that?
2: Well, yes, I must have been guided, but not consciously at that mm-hmm. age, consciously that I was different. I still was in touch with some of my teachers even mm-hmm. as I was being born. But in those instances, for instance, in the garden, I got a turtle. That was my first person that I could have that was mine. And so what I learned was there were boundaries around humans now. Because You get a knew- turtle as a pet. Yes. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, I was too young to date, so. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, but with the turtle, I could be open. I didn't have to protect myself. But mm. with the adults and the humans, because you never really knew what they were going to do, it was better just to sort of watch as best you could. I didn't understand things. yes. And I learned how to take myself out of my body regularly because it was a form of protection at times. Mm. Yes.
0: With the animals, you know, thinking about the ladybugs and the turtle and even all the animals that you work with, what are some of like the personality differences? Do you think, is there a trend among the type of animal or are all animals just have their own unique personality?
2: They each have cultures, so what their cultures are is what we need to pay attention to, which is some of what we cover in the classes and the, the you mm. know, courses that I teach, because we can't really say, I'm upset, and then point to our animals and say, you get over it. Like, you shouldn't be misbehaving just because I'm upset. When they are so in tune to us that it's not really fair to do that. So, for instance, I mean, just the basic differences in cultural differences. So, dogs are amazing in that they are very much more aware of who we are than we are of who they are. They watch our patterns. They watch the physical patterns. They watch our repetitive patterns, especially during COVID. One of the things that surprised um, me—usually when I look the year round—I have more animals that transition for years. This has happened: more animals transition beginning of spring, end of summer. Okay, Okay. humans and animals end of summer mostly, and then beginning of spring somewhere in there. Well, that started shifting about six years ago. It started moving. I don't understand why it was moving or what it was doing. Um, and it changed. Last August, a year ago, last August, so we were deep in COVID, starting in sup- August, September, October, m- more cats started leaving. And I, I couldn't, I thought, is it just me? And then I looked at the numbers of, what, of the clients and everything. There were more cats that transitioned in those three months that had dis- transitioned throughout the whole year. Well, the energetics and the planets were very severe and jagged at that point. Well, I started looking at what else has been going on. More dogs were seizuring during that time. Seizuring is one of the things that's really hard to, to, to clear and to work with. And they had, in this same period of looking at the planets and the exaggeration of the energy, and then we started to see more horses colicking. And that's in those three months. And that's that more than anything to me talks about, you know, what's happening on our planet with, you know, climate change and what we've done. Magnetic forces are changing, Mm -hmm. you know. But if you look at a dog and watch them interact with each other, they have what's known as calming signals. And they will give these signals to each other to show that they mean no harm or they mean harm why because they have big teeth and they that's not something that you mess around with not intentionally now as we look at younger dogs and little dogs as in miniature dogs many times they strike many times they're more aggressive because literally they only have one chance and we have to understand that so but it's all about training but but the culture of a dog one of the things is we know if we put two dogs facing each other and they walk towards each other in a straight line, we're probably going to have a fight. They're looking each other in the eye. So they give each other calming signals of looking to the side, of licking their lips, yawning so that I'm trusting that you won't attack me because I'm not looking at you. And those are very clear signals. As humans, what do we do? We put a collar and a leash on them, and we walk them down a the sidewalk straight into another dog and that is counter to their to their culture, so it, and then we wonder why they flinch, why they pull, why they're aggressive, why they and and now, because there's so many dogs that have been bred, um, those dogs may not have their own culture intact. Mm. That's why we love it if people can leave the puppies with the mom till 16 weeks, 12 weeks. I know that's a stretch, everybody, but they need their culture. They need their culture, and then they'll be much better balanced growing up.
1: Yeah, why is it that we do take them so early eight,
2: at eight weeks just because we want the puppy? Yes, but mostly because the people who are breeding or the people who are rescuing or the people, you know, or the, or the cats that are found feral, you know, where the mom's been killed. That's sort of what we have. But I've seen other species nurse young beings for Mm. that very reason to help them adjust in some way and feel grounded, you know, Uh, cats. Um, cats, for instance, they would have it no other way than to look each other straight in the eye. And you better know who you are, because if you flinch, I'll jump you. <laughs> you know, there, but, but in all fairness, I have to say, I think that cats are some of the, the best healers, if not the best healers I've met on the planet. They're phenomenal. They adjust the tempo of their prayer to the frequency of the being they're working with. Pretty amazing when you think about it. Wow. Yeah, I was
0: meditating last night, and I was praying in little... Fuji came up to me and was like meowing and I laid down and she laid right on my heart and was just doing a little a little Reiki healing. I remember the first Reiki book that I ever read. It was like, dogs love Reiki, cats don't because they believe they invented it in Egypt. <laughs> That's
2: really accurate. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? They're like,
0: they don't want it from you because they think they invented it. And I'll yeah. try sometimes yeah. and they'll just like shake it off. Um with those two different you know the cultures and the healing i think in bringers of the dawn as well if the, have you read that book by yes yeah. and yes and no they talk a lot about <laughs> cats actually being this like alien species uh-huh. that has come to the planet and they also yeah. talk about animals coming to the planet to help with our vibration on earth
2: absolutely that's true oh all of it is true uh, as a matter of fact there are beings gathered off planet helping on planet and at some point we'll get into a deeper conversation about the cats that are showing up that we don't see with our eyes and how they're hoping. Mm. Uh, there's like, a lot. Like Lyrans? It's interesting. There's so many different tribes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm.
1: <laughs> I'm curious, you know, you mentioned um, breeders. I'm curious about like breeding and how, you know, there's, I feel like a trend these days is kind of cross breeding a lot of different breeds. Does that have an effect on I don't know if it's like the purity of the culture, you know, or how does that have an effect? Because it's very trendy and sometimes it is disturbing to see.
2: <laughs> sometimes. Yes. Well, it, it is disturbing. I wish that people in general, I wish as humans, that we spent more time working with the animals we have. Because people think it's really cute to have miniature whatever. And I will share with you that many of the miniatures, some in particular breeds, come in with hearts that are not fully formed. Yeah. And we're talking about nine years, uh, if we're lucky, or two and a half years, because they can't live without support. Uh, As a matter of fact, I was looking into a cat the other day, it surprised the heck out of me um she just plain didn't have all the dna that she needed to survive a long term now she was not she this was not from a breeder and i want to be clear about that but i i almost couldn't figure out why she took embodiment and i asked her why did you why did you take a body because because your time is limited. She knows her time is limited. She announced, you know, when the human was saying, I've done this, I've done that, I'm trying all this, she's only two years old. And, and the cat clearly said to her human, um, you know, I'm not meant to stay for a long time. And of course the human was just mm-hmm. bereft of this. Mm-hmm. And, but I couldn't help but ask, why did you take embodiment? She said, to teach the humans. And I said, what? You know, because I was thinking, what could be worth going through all this for a short period of time? And she said to teach them how to love again. So I, uh, so I asked, I asked her human, what do you do? What, what do you do for a living? She said, Reiki. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's the answer. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah, and you know. In 2012, when we moved from like third density planet to fourth density planet, it really is the vibration of love. So I can imagine that there are more animals here to support us in that. In your sessions, you know, when you're working with people, I've obviously been able to work with you, which is so powerful. Do you feel like the owner or the the parent of the animal is aware of what's going on? Or how often do you feel like people are accurately able to predict what is going on with their animal?
2: That's a wonderful question because some people will say, oh, that you're anthropomorphizing. Other people will say, how could you not know? We all are at different places in our involvement, in our healing, in our soul perception and what our soul guides us to learn. And so there isn't any one person that's the same as the next, same as the animals. So I'm careful about talking about breeds because we we can say, well, of course a German shepherd is going to be like that or a Maine Coon cat, of mm. course. No, because once they're combined with their human and that has been divinely orchestrated no matter how we look at it, then they become a different being together.
0: Mm. It's like that joint energy becomes something all on its own.
1: <gasps> and how often is a pet mirroring or reflecting the energy of the human or the energy in the home or the energy between the animal and the human or do they have kind of like an autonomy that they can kind of control how they react Well there to the are
2: agreements that are made before they come into life on okay. both sides so that that can happen and does but it depends on what the animal's purpose is mm because there are very powerful animals who come in to work with people who are diagnosed with incredible disabilities or illnesses ongoing. There are people whose animals work with them. A gentleman had an appointment, and his main question was, why does my cat insist on sleeping on my chest? Why, you know? So I asked the cat, and the cat said, Because of his heart. And I said, have you had your heart checked lately? And he said, well, well, no. You know, of course there's nothing wrong with my heart. But after we finished the appointment, he made an appointment, went to see his doctor and his heart problems. Wow. And that cat stuck with him through all kinds of heart treatment, all kinds of focus. And then he left the planet, and then she did. Wow, yeah.
0: I think a lot of people, you know, speaking of leaving the planet when with animals, it's often hard to know when to let go and know when it's time. Um, I actually had a, a woman of our community worked with you and her she had a few dogs, and one of them was a lot older. And she was really grateful that you got to work with the dog when the dog was still embodied. And basically, it was like the dog was like, I'm ready to transition. And then the next day, transition. So how do you support people in transitioning? If their animal wants to transition, how do we know when it's time?
2: I'm going to answer that in two ways. The first one is that when I started doing this work professionally, I was very young when it came to a point of doing it professionally, and now I need to be aware of being an adult, you know, professionally doing this, people would ask me, are you aware uh, when your animal needs to pass? Oh, I know when my animal needs to pass. Of course, look at what I do. It's like, my ego was just like fully blown. And it took me about 10 years to realize, no, Miranda, you're not objective. And that's the truth. So as much as we like to say, I'll know, Some people do know that when their animal's ready to transition, veterinarians pretty much look from the outside in, and they will say to their humans, has the animal stopped eating? Is the animal can't get up? You know, that kind of thing. I'm looking from the inside out. So it's a different perspective, and I have had animals come into my office who um, are on three legs, and they can't see, and they can't hear. And you think, okay, obviously this animal's ready to transition. And they say, no, nope, not ready yet. Then I've had other animals come, I don't want to say skipping in, but into the office. And they say, get me out of here. This cancer's eating me alive. So I don't know about you, but I'd want to be asked. And so um, a lot of time people come, you know, and say, when I say come, I mean, you know, on the phone. Um to ask, is my animal ready? We just really wanna be careful about asking that question. And this is really important. And I appreciate the opportunity to share this next piece. We never wanna ask an animal, are you ready to transition? Have the animal say yes, and have the human say, I'm sorry, I can't do it. It's the ultimate sucker punch. So, we can ask if they're suffering, and we have questions that we ask leading up to it, but I don't engage in that unless the human is ready, because then we need to look at, it's fair, there's no pressure. It's fair for the human to say, I'm not ready to ask, you know? Mm -hmm. Great, thank you for knowing who you are, Mm -hmm. because we're not going to ask an animal who needs help and then says, please help me, and then we say, too bad, you know? So, that's why I I love that I get to do this because um, I'm a counselor as well as an animal communications counselor. I'm also a crisis intervention and responded to 9-11 on site. Um, And so, I'm trained and experienced in trauma, and it is really challenging when Mm. someone that you love very much looks like they might be ready to go, denial, I can't deal with this, and... Many times the animals stay only because of their humans. Mm-hmm. So, and and I can't tell you how many times someone has asked a question: Does he want to tell me how he feels? And opening the appointment, I want to know how my cat feels, and the cat says, "Can you help my human?"
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and then I say, "Yes. What, what do we need to know? What does your human need to know? She's too stressed. She's not giving herself enough time." She doesn't sleep well. And sometimes the the cat will even show me, you know, something like uh, thyroid issues or something in the human. I never know what they're going to say. Alice is alerting me, so hold on one sec. I think Tommy is really nice. I (laughs) do. But can you just lie down? I know there's a kitty in the room. Okay, so she's now going behind the chair. Good girl. Thank you. I just need you to go down. Okay, she's not willing to go all the way down because there's a cat. She's mm-hmm. got, <laughs> got a coon tail. <laughs> oh, does she? Yeah. She has a curled tail? Yeah. She, well, uh, she has like her little, little Halloween cat. What
0: is that called actually when cats have that little nubule on their tail? She, have you ever seen her tail? It has like a little, it's okay. not fully straight the break in it.
2: Yeah. Oh, she probably has had she is she rescued. Uh-huh. Yeah, she probably got her her tail caught in a door or something oh, happened. Yeah. That isn't that's from something. Yeah. Mhm. Oh. I'm curious
1: about domesticated animals versus wild animals nah. and the differences in how they communicate, is it different? And have you had experiences with wild animals?
2: I have had experiences with some wild animals, including whales and seals and dolphins. Wow. And, you know, um, it's a dream. Um, and it actually, it reminds me of a story of one of my clients, a wonderful woman who was living in Hawaii, but she's a wildlife photographer. And she would go on these trips, and she would say, Miranda, can you please prepare my cats that I'm going to be gone, so and so. Well, she came home one time and from a trip, and um, the woman called me and said, there's something going on with the cats. They just sit and stare above my head, and I don't know what it is. And so I asked them, and they said, "We love, we love to watch you dream. We love those animals when they show up. And, and I was looking over their heads, and this woman had gone to volunteer and work with sea lions, and some were in recovery. So some of it was captivity, and they the cats were loving to watch her dreams, to watch those animals swim around. That is amazing. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. wonderful? Wow. What yeah. were um,
0: dolphins and whales like when you talked to them?
2: Oh, there's just—I get chills just you're asking me. The first time I was introduced to whales was very young, and people may actually be interested in, and I don't know if either one of you have been aware of the medicine cards that are about animals, Mm -hmm. yeah, but I had been introduced about whales at an early age, but I didn't really know how they fit in on this planet, how they, it was, but through my, throughout my working, um, at one point I was invited and I was gifted with a Native American uh, grandmother incredible being uh, I love you Grandma Toya and um, so she invited me to attend a gathering that was just for teeth. it was a, a, a chiefs it was the uh, gathering of the wolf clan and um, there was a time when the ceremony was very limited it was all Native Americans and me and another woman um, who was my sign language interpreter and uh There was a time when one of the tribes, because they were from all over the world, would pass something around or talk about what was important for their tribe. And at one point, this Maori man passed a stone around and... And I watched as there were maybe 20 of us there. I watched as each person held it. And I was aware of the fact that I was so blessed to be there. And I didn't care if I got anything from the stone. I was not going to open my mouth because it's not my culture. I want to be respective, respectful. And when the stone came into my hand, I immediately saw these visions with it. And just quickly closed my eyes and passed it on because I didn't want anyone who could see so later, I told my sign language interpreter, and she was married to a Native American, and said, You gotta tell him. It's the fair thing and the honest thing you have to share. So I went with my interpreter to this Maori chief and said, This is what I saw. And tears started coming down his face. And his people gathered around him. And he invited me to another gathering in Florida. And he said, he was so amazing he explained to me what I had seen and I don't feel comfortable sharing but he explained to me that what I had seen was the ending of parts of his people and so then he invited me and my sign language interpreter and I went down to Florida and we were sitting in a, another circle and it was mostly Caucasian people learning and respecting and they passed something around well the, th- the, the third thing he passed around he handed it right to Miranda and I took it and I held it And I felt whatever comes up is for these people to hear. This is why this is happening or it wouldn't have happened. So I held this and held this and my body got freezing cold. And I was in water down, deep, deep, deep in water. And there was this huge, beautiful whale. And he was having me accompany him. And he was sort of in a shadow-like form, and we kept going deeper and deeper. And I was concerned because I wasn't sure, since you can't see in the dark, I wasn't sure why we had to go deeper. And he just let me know, you must trust him by your side. So we went very deep. And he talked about what was important for some of the people there and what was going on um, that we needed to know as humans um, that their time on this earth was limited because of what we had done as humans, um, but that there was wisdom to pass on that was important. Um, And he said a few more things, and then he brought me to the surface. So when I opened my eyes, um, you know, Mackie was watching me very carefully, and I shared. And and then... uh, he said, "I want you to pass the, it on." So we passed the, the, the stone on, and it was strange. It felt like a, um, volcanic, you know, um, lava, y- lava. 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 Felt oh. like lava because it was light, but it was it was rock. So anyway, when it got back to Mackie, he said, "Miranda, sister, sister, I want you to know, this is the earbone of a whale." Mm. And it was like, wow, because his people are water people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, how amazing, you know? Mm. Yeah. Just uh, So each culture has its thing. I am definitely um, uh, more of a suburb girl than I am wild. I have spent time out in the wild, and that's a whole different culture for each being and we need to be respectful of that, and we can communicate with those beings, but we need to understand they are wild. You know, the first time I worked with a cougar, um, I was stunned because this cougar came right at me, all claws bared, and if it hadn't been chain link fence, I would have been toast. And I was shocked because there was a part of me that assumed because I did what I did, they would know I meant no harm. Well, this guy was beyond furious. He was going to take out any human he could. Yeah. So, I mean, and I was raised on Disney films and, you know, that all the animals sing together. And that's, you know, so I had a lot to learn, you know, a lot to learn. Um, and he was furious because? He was he was held in captivity mm-hmm. and it was not appropriate. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I... I look at when we interact. What is our responsibility? So, going back to what you were asking, asking Kristen about, um, uh, Kristen, sorry, about um, knowing when it's time to pass. Um, just about everyone who has an animal in their home will say to you, "No, no, I want my animal to pass." You know, in in their sleep. We'd all love to do that. I, I would. However, once we take an animal out of their wild or out of their natural environment, we take on a responsibility. Dying on the kitchen floor is not natural. And so we need to look at what are we asking them to do and are we asking them to stay for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is
0: the... um. The approach that you have, you know, in talking to animals, I'd love to talk about that, um, the harmonious listening approach. And, you know, during our sessions, you always open with a prayer. And in the prayer, is that sort of just clearing any distortion or what's sort of happening in the prayer? And do you need that every time you're in session or every time you're communicating with animals?
2: I, I meditate in the morning. I meditate in the evening. I say my prayers before each client, before each situation. Um, I am very clear about the fact that whatever has happened in that appointment, I don't carry forward. I am very clear about the fact when I'm working with health issues because I work under the auspice of veterinarians doing animal medical intuitive work that I don't take on what I've seen. Um, uh, When I was growing up, Uh, Krista, there were a lot of people doing work of healing work, but they would take on what the human had going on to to figure out what it was, because veterinarians are phenomenal. And I will get information and say, you know, this is what I'm seeing, and I don't know what to do with it. They do. Um, I'll never forget one time when I was working with an integrative veterinarian, and I said, well... Um, this is what I saw, but it probably doesn't make any sense because for all I know, you know, the heart bone is connected to the ankle bone. And she said, actually, Miranda, it is. It's one being. I'm <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> <You're>
0: like, well. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, well, I think we were um,
0: with their sessions with the prayer, like the importance of the prayer and yeah. not taking on their energy. Right.
2: So, when I was growing up, there were people who would take on the energy, the healers. And so, growing up and watching these mediums come to our home and whatever, I went, okay, I have to remember, no sugar, no drinking, no tobacco, because I understood they were grounding themselves, fair enough, because you know what, that won't affect me. And I can ground myself any time. And I don't have to worry about getting a lot of sleep because I can pull energy from anywhere. And that works for a number of years until it doesn't. And then you have to deal with what you've created. But, you know, the prayer is very important for me. It is a sacred moment. It is where I clearly say, you know, Spirit, God, you know to use me for a purpose greater than myself gracefully, gracefully, and that I support what is for the highest good of everyone concerned because it's not just about me in any way. And if there's something I need to learn, pl- this is Miranda now, <laughs> <laughs> if there's something I need to learn, please make it obvious, and I learned the lesson of saying that and not saying mm-hmm. gracefully, gracefully. <laughs> So, my prayers are all about that, releasing. One of the, my favorite parts of my prayers is saying, um, you know, uh, please let us gently recalibrate, mm-hmm. regenerate to a frequency higher, ideal health, mm. to a frequency of ideal health at a cellular level so that we may be more flexible for the times we are experiencing now. Because health is energy, energy is clarity. Can you think of a better time to develop intuition than we don't even know which news source to listen to? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's really beautiful. I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, it's so nice that when we work together, I get that calibration. And so, you know, just for background of your sessions, for anyone that's listening, what happens is the prayer. And then are you communicating with their higher selves? Is that what's happening? You know, an example with Fuji and Ugi, are you seeing their higher self beings and then you're having a conversation with them? Is that what's happening?
2: I'm asking first their personality what they want to say. Then I'm asking for what is it that this being needs to help them complete their purpose, continue what they came to do. So I ask for, where does this human and this animal have more to learn? So there's many different intersections that happen simultaneously, sometimes individually, um, but it just depends on what that animal... First, I ask them what they need. Um, And one of the things that I say is, um, and let people know, I'm for the animal first because we can we can straighten out a lot because we have a lot of language. We're used to speaking with each other, but these guys need our support and our help, and they have so much to teach us. Yeah, in our last call,
0: Fuji had a lot to say. She was kind of losing hair above her eye, She was so stressed out and it was really nice that she was able to say what she was feeling and she was transmuting a lot of the energy in the home, a lot of the stress in the home. And it was nice to have her feel relieved after that, for her to feel like she was heard and that whatever was happening was being dealt with and taken care of. And so that felt really, really good.
2: Well, it's interesting you say that because I, we, you and I, all three of us have not physically met before. And when she saw me, she her eyes got larger, and she couldn't believe that I had a dog between us. So, she knew a dog was coming, and I know you expressed to me this morning she was, you know, had different behaviors than usual <laughs> before we got here, but... She still has attitude right now. Well, wait a second. I thought she was going to be mine. Like, I thought I was going to spend time with her. Mm -hmm. So what's what's this dog doing here? You know? Mm -hmm.
0: She thought you were just going to hang out with her. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Ugi said, Ugi's like, do I have to come out and say hi?
2: And you're like, no, not if you don't want to. Yeah. When she asked, was expected of her? No, she and she kept poking at it. Remember, she went yes. around in different directions. Well, then am I supposed to, well, then am I going to be, you know? It's like, no, no one's putting any pressure on you to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Do, Do the animals,
1: any animal really specifically domesticated that you're communicating with, do they feel a difference in speaking with you or if an owner is able to start fine-tuning their connection with the animal and communicate with them in that way, does it feel the same? So I, 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 I'm kind of feeling the answer already, but um, I'm curious when an animal meets you or connects with you, are they like, whoa, hello? Like, you hear me? You, you know, is there that
2: response? For the most part. <laughs> There is. You know, um, I was called into Beverly Hills one, one morning to work. This is when I did on, on side calls um, to work with the dog. And these people said it would really help us if you come in person. And so I showed up um, at the door. I knocked on the door. And as I knocked on the door, the door slowly started to open. And there was nothing in the room. That I could see it, there was no furniture, there was nothing. It was an apartment, it was upstairs. there was nothing in the room. but when the door opened further, here was um, a huge melanois, which is a, t- a form of dog that can be incredibly aggressive they 're oh. used to take down people who commit suicide with bombs, and I mean they're like war dogs yeah, mm-hmm. they're amazing, and here was this melanoir and the little person in me went, the S word mm-hmm. came up in me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I gave all kinds of calming signals. And as the door opened, this dog stared at me. And I thought, well, I need to take a step inside. But now I'm crossing over into mm-hmm. his territory. So I took a step aside and I communicated who I was, mm-hmm. what was going on. And the shoulders relaxed. And the eyes softened, Mm. and he wanted to smell me, but he was now respectful of me um, because I'd given him calming signals. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when we met, he was so looking forward to connecting with someone that wasn't going to tell him he was wrong. And the two humans came out of, I guess, what was the kitchen and said, wow, we've never, they were expecting him to attack me and wanted to see what I would do. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Hmm. So I, it, it's interesting. I've had that happen a couple of times with yeah. serval cats mm. that are wild, and people yes. adopt them because they're the size of a domestic cat, but they're servals. I you hate know. That. Well, it's— What's a serval cat? Like it's, a, it's a wild
0: cat from Africa, and yeah. people get them because they look cool.
2: Oh, There was yeah. one
0: time in my neighborhood, someone had a serval cat as a pet, and it got lost. So they had these loss signs for a serval cat. Honestly, that was all I thought about for like three months. Yeah. I was like, the serval cat is lost that you adopt. I just don't understand Mm. people in getting wild animals like that. Well, as a matter
2: of fact, (laughs) I started asking people because Mm -hmm. I I got a rash of calls. You know, you have to help me. He was great for the first two years and now he's lost his mind. Lost his mind? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But— Tell me what's going on. Well, he's aggressive, and, you know, he, you know, he looks at us, and I said, well, tell me something. What breed is he? Well, he's a cross, you know, he's a serval, and so on and so And I said, okay, well, why did you get this cat? And she said, well, we wanted something that was, you know, just a little wild. And I said, you got it. Mm-hmm. You know, because now what do you do? You euthanize yeah. that animal that is truly dangerous, mm-hmm. big time. You set him free. No, I don't think so. Oh, he would survive, mm-hmm. but we wouldn't like the way he survived mm-hmm. taking our neighborhood cats, taking mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. mauling, whatever. So, I, I really don't support that. Mm-hmm. I know it's tempting who wouldn't want a beautiful servo cat. Mm -hmm. But then I've also worked with three-legged cheetah, and I've worked with animals that had to be taken in because Mm -hmm. they were abused or not treated appropriately, elephant, things, you know, different beings. But it's challenging. Mm -hmm. We we really need to understand. And then we look at, but Miranda, if we leave them alone, we have a lot of animals. And I'm saying, yeah, a whole lot less than we used to. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how, if either of you have noticed... But a couple of years ago, I stopped getting insects on my windshield. That's interesting. I didn't know if that was a
0: California thing because I'm from Ohio and it was like... but I So I was younger in Ohio and that was very normal, but I didn't know if it was a thing here. I never feel bugs here at all. Why would that be? The birds? I guess the bottom of our food chain.
2: Mm, Bottom of our food chain. Yeah.
0: So it's like when the bottom of the food chain is almost gone, then it affects all other parts of the food mm. chain. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: What, do, what do domesticated animals think of our animal voices? Yes. <laughs> I make animal up voices. crazy songs. Like our, our the tone of voice that we use with animals. Like when I'm
0: talking to Fuji, I'm
2: like, Fuji. Oh yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is they consider it a language, huh. N- more of a vocabulary. So sometimes one of the exercises I give in the in the uh, courses I teach is, okay, you're used to saying to your animal, um, "Don't do that," or you're used to saying to your animal, "Please come," you know, dinner, you know. Okay, leave the word out of it and go, mm-hmm. ah, uh-huh. ah, ah, uh-huh. ah, and all of that is languaging, and they take it in as languaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: interesting. I'm curious. You you mentioned before about COVID mm. and animals. Well, one, I feel like people got more pets or like there was kind of this, you know, surge of people getting animals. I'm curious, was there a trend that you were picking up on when you were communicating with animals during COVID? Yes,
2: there are a number of them. I appreciate you asking that. There were trends with people. First of all, I got a ton of appointments and calls, overwhelmingly so, of people who had adopted for the first time, and they were so excited because they could stay home with their animal. And I appreciated that they had not adopted because they knew they were going to be at work. Now they were home, so I appreciated they understood that and was concerned about what happens when they go back to work. However, staying in the moment and staying in the present, which we all need to do, working with them, the animals would point out things that the p- person would say, I don't know what's going on with my cat. She's never stood in the window this long. I can't even get her off the sill, the window sill, because she is just staring. So in communicating with that animal, she was seeing wildlife that she'd never seen before. You know, squirrels that don't run and hide because they don't have to because the cats are inside and not out, or not as many. Um, And then there would be a dog in a house that started barking for no reason. I can't get her to shut up. What's going on? Well, because we stopped the airplanes in the sky, and we stopped the the huge trucks on the road, and there's very cars were not moving, all of a sudden they can hear a dog that's maybe even across the street from them that they've never heard before. So that and that bought, brought on all kinds of behaviors of animals that have been in the home for years. Um, and so then the, aside from that, now their human is home. And you're used to seeing their human walk and in a certain way. They're used to seeing that that human go get up, have breakfast, rush out the door. and then they're used to being alone. Well, they love not being alone. To a point, (laughs) and then all of a sudden, their human's body language changes. Like, what what is my human doing? My human sits a lot like this. My human does this. My human does this. My human does, you know, scrunching up the head to the shoulders. You know, okay, my human looks afraid. Okay, if my human's afraid, then I'm going to be afraid. Because they've been the strongest pack leader in the House sometimes, and if they're not, it's even worse. So, yes, um, I actually um, did a podcast uh, when, we start, when we went into COVID because uh, it was important, I felt, for people to understand. We need to look at it from their perspective to understand why they're concerned. Um, and how we need to address it head on. You know what, Kitty? You're right. I am upset. I am. Um, And I'm upset because I'm uncertain of what's going to happen. You know, you don't say, I'm fine, because animals know we're not telling the truth. Now you've just lost your credibility with your own animal. You know, that's huge. Um, So I hope that that answers what you were asking. Yes. During Is there anything we can do to know we're talking to them? Like how do we know we're actually communicating
0: with the animal?
2: That's a great question. I would would say one of the easiest exercises is right before you go to sleep, close your eyes, clear your mind screen, maybe do some breathing to relax, clear out the day, because you have to make room for your being to make his presence known. Okay, now on your mind screen, maybe pull a picture up of your animal and just start feeling inside of you how much you love them, how much you appreciate them, how much you know sometimes you're tired and maybe you're crabby, but that has nothing to do with how much you love them. And then say to your animal, I will be open to your communicating with me only for a few minutes, if you feel safe to do so, and I'm only open to you. I'm not open to anyone else flying by. And you say your protection or you say whatever you feel, and then just fall asleep because you're communicating with them. In time, you will know whether you're getting through in that you'll see a change in your animal. Now something that I, I get, Krista, that I love is people will take um, you know, a course and sometimes after the second class, they'll say, you know, Miranda, I, I know this is gonna sound weird, but I, I I, you know, I just started looking at my animal and they're looking at me differently, you know, or he just sits and stares at me. And I go, Imagine that <laughs> you know? what do you think you know, and now the question is, did that animal always do that, and that human 's picking up on it, or is the animal so grateful that their human is now you know paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. So, and in time, it will happen. In time, there during the class, that happens where people say, it's really true. I just know my cat heard me. You know, I know my horse. I didn't even have to take a carrot. My horse came to me, you know.
1: Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? <laughs> what? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some, some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things. And while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my Flow, so I was really excited to find Daloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends, and they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really really bad periods, cramps, and just all these symptoms, and she was so happy uh, to try Daloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided, they don't last as long, they're not as intense, and she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Deloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high potency, fast acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try to loon. Okay. Starting your own business is a roller coaster. We've been through it. We have seasons. We get you. We see you if you're out there and starting your own business. We got you because HoneyBook is here. Okay. If you are overwhelmed, if you are not organized yet, if your client flow is just all over the place, if the consistency is not there, we want to make you more confident, more organized, HoneyBook is it. It gives you all the tools you need to manage inquiries, legal contracts, scheduling, payment processing, and everything it takes to serve clients. It makes it easy to give clients a great experience. All of our clients, whether it's partners, guests, they love, love, love the the experience with Almost 30 because of HoneyBook. It organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, invoices, payments, and more all in one place. And it's how independent professionals manage their workflow and cash flow. I hear it all the time, the love for HoneyBook. And they have loads of automations, integrations, and project management tools. HoneyBook gets your business running smoothly. So you have more time to focus on doing what you do best and what you really love to do. So start your free trial at honeybook.com slash almost 30 and enjoy HoneyBook for $1 per month for the first six months with promo code almost 30. I'm laughing because that's insane. Okay, let me say that again. Start your free trial at honeybook.com slash almost 30 and enjoy HoneyBook for $1 per month for the first six months with promo code almost 30. That is wild and you must take advantage now. Almost 30 listeners get HoneyBook for $1 per month for the first six months with promo code almost 30. Head to honeybook.com slash almost 30 to get started today for free.
0: I was walking the other day. I've been working on my animal communication. Good. And I was walking the other day and there was this dog. I was walking with a friend and I was like really intently communicating with the dog in my mind. And the woman goes, are you speaking Russian? And I go, no. She goes, you just spoke Russian to my dog. And I'm like, I was talking with my mind. I wasn't talking Russian. She's (laughs) like, I heard you speak Russian to my dog. Isn't that hilarious?
1: That's so funny.
0: I know. I was like, no, I was just talking in my mind with your dog. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Do dogs hear in languages? Like, could Alice understand someone that was speaking another language? Or could Fuji understand
2: someone that was speaking another language? Yes, but not in the way we might think. As humans, we picture what we want. And if we're really good trainers, we always picture what we want. We don't picture what we don't want. You know, I don't want you to pee on the floor, and you're showing the cat peeing yeah. on the floor. In your mind's eye. Uh-huh. Yep, in mm-hmm. your mind's eye. So so picturing what you want. But and, and that comes up in the classes. Someone will say, how did my dog know that we were going to go for a walk? invariably when a person would say, because you took your keys out. No, I didn't. I was sitting on the edge of my bed. See, that's true, but you were picturing the park where you were going to go. Dog went, I'm out of here. I'll get the keys.
0: (laughs) The visualization in the mind's eye visuals reminded me of vacation. You know, when you go away on vacation and how you can support your animals in feeling less stressed or not having separation anxiety. What are some tips you have for people when they might be going away and someone's coming to watch the animal or they might be going to like a place where animals, like a boarding place? What do you normally suggest people do on vacation?
2: You know, um, I that's part of my practice as well is that we have travel packages for people when they're traveling. I also work with people in entertainment where they're shooting in different countries. So we get them on Zoom. We get the pet sitter on Zoom or the pet sitter sends me questions and pictures that are current of the animal. Um, because that animal does need to know where they are. Now I will share with you preparing that you're going to leave is important. Um, if you're going to move, it's really important, but it, but preparing that you're taking for a trip. This is, this is what's happening. This is who's going to take care of you and introducing the pet sitter ahead of time, not the day that you've gone. No. Um, But while you're gone, you can communicate with your animal just peacefully right before you go to sleep. However, and this is key, you want to picture them in your home, not where you are. We don't want an animal escaping trying to find you. So, I, oh, I can see you're in the living room. That's so sweet. I love you so much. And you just make sure that's what you're picturing. When you're ready to come home, three days before you come home, you can picture yourself first three sunsets and the animals in your home Sensing that it's a sunset, still inside, we're good. And then on the fourth morning or whenever you're coming home, you picture yourself coming through the door. Are you coming home at night or are you coming home at daytime? Picture that so they have more of an articulation. And that helps. The only downside I have to say with with, um, my communicating with your animals while you're traveling is that my clients have said to me, um... Wow, Rhonda, you know, it was really good to talk to my animal. I said, Well, wait a minute, what's going on? They go, Well, it was good for the animal, but when I got home, they went, Oh, you're home. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask that. Yeah, like, yeah. are they are they kind of psyched sometimes that their owner is off doing something nice mm-hmm. for themselves? Well,
2: e- no, no, they're, not they're like "You got space. Yeah, it's more, it's more that. When, no, no, okay, so I'm glad you said that. Let me clarify. It's just that everybody loves when the animal goes, God, she's home, you know? And then when we communicate sometimes and the human walks through home, they go, oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're home Mm -hmm. because we've had that ongoing Mm -hmm. communication, you know? Mm -hmm. But everybody feels better communicating. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Mm. Yeah. I feel, I don't like when they, you come home and they're waiting
0: because then I'm like, oh, you've been... Wondering and you're nervous. Mm, You know, I like when they're doing their own thing and they're kind of in their own experience because when they're waiting, I'm like, oh, you've been, that's not good. Yeah. Mm, you You know, for them to have that. But what is, um, What is the harmonious listening approach that you have? How did that come So those are
2: courses of different Mm -hmm. levels of people that want to learn how to communicate with their own animals. And it's very sweet because everyone who shows up and we're now, we've transferred all of the curriculum online, which is wonderful, because I have clients that are in... The, you know, all over the world, sitting in there on home working with their animals. Um, what we do is we work sometimes with meditation, sometimes with um, looking at pictures and seeing what people get from those photographs. Sometimes we work with live animals when we can because, for instance, the horses that I like to use are up in the Rockies in snow. No, I'm not going to be asking the human out there with the camera, but um, we work in all different ways with animals and work on being quiet and creating space. Um, The level one is all about how can you be more sensitive to your own animal? How can you be listening at a deeper level? So we go through exercises as well. And then the level two is more, how can you empty yourself out more so that you have more room? These are for humans that feel they're very sensitive or their friends have said, you're so sensitive yes mm-hmm. and be proud of that mm-hmm. that is something to be proud of and then level 3 on it just gets deeper and yes. deeper as we go mm-hmm.
0: yeah i'm excited for that last question for i want to go into stories mm-hmm. about horses i feel I was like literally just yeah, same mm-hmm. so we did equine therapy at this um on, we did this online um therapeutic experience Lindsay and I both did. it's called onsite it's in nashville and part of it was equine therapy and we went through this it's called like a sculpt and you're kind of in the field and you're going through whether it's a traumatic experience or a really deeply impacting experience for you in a healing environment with the horses and the horses are reacting to your energy
2: so so you're replaying the traumatic experience inside of you when you're working with the horse i just want to know, where's that trauma that you mentioned
1: yeah i think they i think they ask you questions, questions to kind of lead you into that feeling around the trauma. Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: And then the horses are reacting to your energetic response to the question. So they're saying, you know, is this holding you back in this current life? And you're like, yes or no. And the horse will sort of respond. What is it? I guess the real question is, what is it horse's gifts with intuition? Like do all animals, are they that intuitive or is it specific to horses?
2: All animals are intuitive to a point they wouldn't be alive if they weren't. We think of PTSD as being the enemy, you know, my God, this ruins people's lives. Guess what? We all have it to some extent. We do. That's why we're still alive. Um, Because as cave people, we learned out of fear that when we hear a large animal approaching, we take off. So animals that are in the wild have their protection much more intact Than our animals that we have with us. Horses are phenomenal. I mean, um, they carry such heavy wisdom and they ground it on this planet. Remember, one time I was, I lived in New Mexico, and we had a, a summer storm that was a lightning storm. So, no rain, but lightning. And I pulled off to the side of the road because it was I was in an area of um, in Trucha and uh, uh near Truchas, and and it's slightly wooded and so i could I wanted to see the lightning through the trees and all of that. It was just amazing. Well, where I pulled over and got out of my car, there was a horse in a pasture right behind this one casita and I watched this horse, and I mean I thought is this horse going to try to leap over the fence? And instead, he went off all fours. I mean, that's hard for for a horse to do. All fours. And it startled me. He was breaking, when we think of static electricity, Mm. he was breaking that energy from his body, pulling, and then back down again. And I saw a flash and thought, that's amazing to me. Just like we see stat electricity if the lights are out and, you know, we walk across the carpet. And that, I just thought how amazing to learn how to cope with that at a level of being that huge. And I... I've had incredible experiences with horses and their teaching. They're very attuned to us if we listen, but they have over so many eons learned to pull back from humans because we, we can't necessarily be trusted depending on our culture because mm. there are cultures that really do listen and support and are phenomenal, just phenomenal. Um, so, but um, I remember one one time Um, seeing horses at midnight, and this was on a full moon uh, up in the mountains uh, above Albuquerque, um, Sangre de Cristo Mountains, and looking at these horses, and the full moon was reflecting on their coats, and they were just sort of hanging out, if you would. And I don't know what happened, but at one point, they all turned and faced each other in a circle. Now, these, no one's near these horses, including me. It was far away. And they all looked up at the moon, and they held that, if you can mm-hmm. imagine, a circle of these bodies, for whatever they were taking in and grounding onto our planet, whatever they were releasing down into mm-hmm. Gaia. So beautiful. And um, when we think of Native American studies, which are so valued in... We need to value them much more deeply mm-hmm. than we do. Um, how important it is to be able to gain that. So in, in answer to your question, horses know more about things than we do. Most species know much more than we do in, from their perspective. But the depth that horses carry when we choose to listen is profound, mm. just profound. There's something about those hooves touching the earth. They don't touch it in the same way we do. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Powerful. Um Yeah, I would love to get into some stories. Okay, that is some of your most. Yeah, I would just love to hear kind of. Let's what hear comes some up. funny
0: ones. Some funny ones. <laughs> yes, I like goofy ones because I feel like our sessions. I just laugh. I'm like, what the heck? I know. Well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I will share with you. That's interesting. My first service dog was a border collie. And mm-hmm. he and I, he had a trainer training him at first. And when he and I got together, the trainer was training me on how to work with him and keep him fresh. And, um, and so we, we were teaching him sign language and all that. So I asked his first time, you know, I asked him to sit and he sat. I went, oh, I'm such <laughs> a great trainer, you know. And then I asked him again to sit. And he said, did you miss it the first time? I asked him to sit a third time, and he walked off and said, stupid human. Well, <laughs> because I had to adjust that this person has whatever's around him wired. Border collies control with their eyes. They heard like a wolf and prey they control. So that's why the herd moves. You know, sometimes they'll grip. You know, I'm trying to think of ones that are mm. laughable because I know with you it it comes up all the, all the time, time. With the Christa, border
0: collie, what was he
2: doing? Why was why did he say you were yeah. stupid? Because he I he did what I asked him to do. The first time I asked him to sit, he sat. Right. And then the second time I asked him to sit, it's like, but I oh you I just did it. Did it.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. And the third
2: time, it's like, bored, out of here. Yes. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. They're so fun. There was a kitty living in uh, Hawaii, and um, he his human, was very socially active at night. But she called because she was very concerned about Her cat not coming home. And I've told him, Miranda, he's supposed to come home before I leave. You know, I worry about him. And so will you please ask him, you know, can he just be out all day and stay home at night? And the cat said, can you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like Mm -hmm. cats are nocturnal. And so was she. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, no, you have to not be a nocturnal because of my schedule. You know, it's like you yeah we yeah. had um
0: when well, we had some like, stress in the home it was funny because Fuji was freaking out Fuji was just like all like red alert with stress and then we went to Oogie, and Oogie was like you guys take things way too
2: seriously
0: Oogie <laughs> did not care she was like you yeah. guys take things way too seriously yeah
2: yeah <laughs> well and it's true that's I mean everybody's so individual mm. you know I uh I always adore people who come because they just want to know, you know. And as a matter of fact, one of the dogs, um, Jack, who's hilarious, he actually had a following in my newsletters because we never knew what he was going to say. And he would always comment on, you're not actually going to date this guy, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, it was like, Jack, I I would like to have a partner at some time. You know, yeah, well. Not that one, you know <laughs> you know, and uh and I used to have a cat who did that, so the guy would knock on the door and you know go to the door, let the guy in, he'd come, and as he was walking in, my cat would go. <laughs> you know, and he was always spot on mm. to the point where if he's making that judgment and the guy hasn't even opened his mouth or sat down <laughs> mm-hmm. on the couch, there was like no point for me dating that person. And I thought, that's not really fair to the guy, you mm-hmm. know, because, you know, but Fred was right. Fred was right every time, you know. <laughs> so, if we look at our animals when someone new comes through the door, they will tell us a lot of what's going on. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's such a thing that, that I used to talk about about years ago called arc dating. Arc dating is when people are, and this is because I used to be a professional musician years ago, and I would be standing on the bandstand or in the bar or whatever playing, and you would see someone, I mean, I was focused on what I was doing, I promise, but you would see a blue arc go across from the bar to some woman sitting at a table, right, and I had to like close my eyes and not see this stuff, and then the next time they came in the next night, there was no arc, Hmm. 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 So, I think we can draw our own conclusions about why that excitement disappeared between these two people. And so, I I, I mean, it got to be ridiculous where I would be playing, 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 and I would look up and someone on the dance floor would be looking right at me. It's those sensitivities, and we all have hmm. them. Mm-hmm. We all have them. So, um, I will say that some of the 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 heavier moments in working with the animals, um, you know, I I when animals go into ICU, um, I will get either a call from a veterinarian or a call from the from the human saying, "What does my animal want?" Like w- this is what we're doing. Uh, I know recently there was one with a um, a cat that uh, that needed to have. Um, something. I think they were doing uh, some moisture extraction from a lung. I think that's what they were doing. And when the, uh, the technician and when the veterinarian started to withdraw the fluid, uh, a leg on the cat broke in that it was so
1: mm, brittle.
2: Mm. Yeah. And so they wanted to know... Is the cat ready to transition? And the surgeon was standing by, like if we're going to repair this, we need to do this now. This cat's already under, um, and the cat, the cat said he wanted to try. So, in a split, you know, because I get this call from the human in tears, and the cat is still in anesthesia, and the seizure, the surgeon's going, the time, the clock is ticking. So the animal did want to try, and that animal lived for another year and a half. I was stunned because if the bones are that brittle is you know what are we actually doing but that was what they chose that's what they did I think the hardest ones for me are used to be and I unfortunately it's not that I'm used to them but um, is when an animal has witnessed their human committing suicide hmm. and that's really a hard one that's hard because the animal believes that they can help their human heal or do what they need to do. And that's when I, I really appreciate being called because we need to work with that animal right away. And usually someone has gotten the animal, bless their hearts, which is great. And we need to work on it right away. But but I mean, I there are some animals that are just absolute comedians. I mean, they just, <laughs> you never know what they're going to say. Hudson
0: Jordan Younger's cat's like it's hilarious. <laughs> I remember know? one time you went over and Hudson wasn't Hudson wasn't eating or something, or Hudson was like throwing up or something because Jordan was really sick. So Hudson was trying That's to right. transmute her energy, her mm-hmm. sick energy. And you were like, you know, Hudson, it it's stressing Jordan out more that you know you're sick as well. Now both of you are sick. And Hudson's like, you know, Miranda, if you're here to tell me what to do, you can just leave now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember that because I let the stuff yes, go. Yes, yes, yes. He's like, you can just leave now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I have broad shoulders. Thank God. Yeah. You know? yes. So And so then we approach it or go around a different way. But it's true. The animals have the right to say that for Pete's mm-hmm. sakes, you know. Um, but, but, but I appreciate your asking and remembering these things, Krista, because— mm-hmm. Um, I'd never know when it's going to be funny. It's just that the animals start saying things. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one the other day where, uh, the, the human, I could tell the human was kind of holding back on, well, let's mm-hmm. see what this is. You know, let's see what this is. And the human said, um, that, you know, had her list of questions, you know, which I don't look at until we actually start the appointment. And, and so her first question was, um, does he know how much I love him? And right out of the animal's mouth came, "I can't believe you're asking me this." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 you know, and then he went on to say, "What? Why? You know, we've been together so many times. Yeah. How can you not remember that?" And and don't stop. You know, and if I've transitioned, stop referring to me as being lost. I'm not lost. Are you lost? I'm not. You know, so all of those funny things that start happening. You know, yeah. <laughs> oh so sweet there was a gray Persian Siamese cat who who was lost and then decided to leave his body so he did and he wanted to alert his human to his decision to leave his body and he said she will always have me around her neck I need to leave my physical body to be able to continue teaching her at the depth we need now to reach Mm. that's and that's why when people get scared about, well, I lose touch, will I so-and-so, animals and beings, their souls, grow on, as we do. So they may have finished with that human and the human, but many times they'll come back around just at the intersection where they still have to learn from each other. Mm.
0: We had our babies, Fuji and Ugi, we've done many lifetimes together. Mm. We were in Egypt together, mm. but they said they like this lifetime better because it's more chill. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and they said in Egypt, it was interesting. They said, you know, in Egypt, we weren't worshipped. We were just treated as equals, mm. which was interesting. And then they said Justin was a master of gems in Egypt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a reminder, Dad. Yeah,
0: just a reminder you're a master of <laughs> gems yeah, don't in Egypt. forget it.
2: And there's another cat story. One posthumous cat, Tattoo, chuckled at my referring to Suzette as her human. Um, I asked her, why? What what, what would you call her then? And Tattoo said, mine. (laughs) Which is so feline. Wait, a
0: tattoo?
2: In other words, Tattoo was the name of the the cat. And something that I think is really good to pass on, which is that when cats, many times when cats are ready to leave their body, and I don't mean in the next 10 minutes, they will start yowling at night and they will start making, and they call it singing to prepare the way mm. because they're calling their other prides to them to help them with the transition.
0: On the other wow. side?
2: Yeah. Wow. it's beautiful. And it can happen where they'll start and then they stop. A month later, they're more or more. And, it, and it's really beautiful to watch, although it's hard to live through because they're nocturnal. And their humans are worried about the singing. But if you understand what it's about, it really helps. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How can people work on the on-growing growth of their relationship with their animal? Like, what are some tips you have for them to improve that relationship?
2: Um, taking a few courses will help <laughs> tremendously. <laughs> because because really and truly, we if we approach our animals the way we approach everything, we're missing it. So to expect them, for instance, we have tension in our bodies all the time. We release it. We work on releasing as best we can. We consciously try to release it. But the challenge becomes we can't be tense and then be upset when our animals act out or do something. Um, As a matter of fact, I had someone in the class recently say to me, you know, I know my dog is spoiled, you know, and I stopped her and said, I don't believe there are any spoiled animals. There are animals who humans have not spent enough time with to to get that communication happening so we understand each other. Mm. So, that's key. So, that's what I would say is that... Um, there's one simple exercise, again, that I can give, which is if you have your animal in a different room than you are, and you know the animal is awake, maybe just while on the couch, and you sit on the edge of your bed and you close your eyes, and you call that animal to you. So you're not doing it out loud. You're doing this in an interior way. So the first time I tried this exercise out, because I was thinking, how can I give the people that lose So I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and my hearing dog was in the other room. This goes back a lot of years. And so his name was Radar. That's the border collie. His name was Radar. So I was sitting on the edge of the bed and internally I was saying, Radar. Radar. Come here, bud. I'm right here. Radar. And then it hits me, Miranda. You're deaf. You're here with your eyes you have your eyes closed. How are you going to know if your dog is here? So I opened my eyes and here's a border collie going, (sighs) waiting for me right in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) So it takes practice, Mm -hmm. but it can happen.
0: Yeah, it's like that concentrated Mm -hmm. awareness and attention. And Mm. I know there was a, we had a membership workshop and it was really beautiful. We were just kind of connecting on, Random conversations within our almost 30 membership, which you're going to be teaching a workshop Mm -hmm. for. I'm really excited. And it was beautiful because we were talking about just beautiful moments from the weekend. And one of our members was talking about a walk that she went on with her dog. She started to not bring her phone on walks. And she's like, It's really beautiful. I just feel him connecting with me so much more. He's looking at me. We're looking at each other. We're really enjoying this time on this walk when normally i'd just be on my phone and now every time i'm seeing people walk their dogs with their phones i'm like wow they're missing out on this like ability to have this connection and conversation with their animal when they're on this walk so mm. yeah i think it's like that attentionality it's just being paying attention it's just making having the Intention to make that connection, basically.
2: Mm-hmm. It is. And it's actually rude to be on your phone because when you think about the fact they've waited all day for yes. us to come home and then what you do is go, oh, yeah, you need to go out and you're still on your phone. Mm-hmm. Isn't, why Why should they give us the time of day even? I mean, that's why, mm-hmm. you know? Um it's, there's a lot of that that yeah. if we just need to make ourselves aware of what we're doing but intention is great then also allowing yourself to admit to yourself I've been tense I'm now gonna let that go before I attempt and work on communicating mm-hmm. with our, my animal yeah do
1: do they have an opinion about phones do they like phones do they like to be recorded photo taken any thoughts oh, yes. general thoughts on that
2: Alice hates my phone okay and it's because when i wake up in the morning and i know she needs to go out right away i almost check to see what the temperature is do i need a coat Mm -hmm. you know and it's you know so now she waits as best she can but if it's right before i go to sleep which i'm trying to get better about um turning my phone Mm -hmm. off she'll wait on the bed looking at me until i turn the phone off then she'll come up and be with me Mm -hmm. you know But it's true. I mean, they we really owe it to them. We've asked them to come and be in our lives to take care of us and love on us. We need to give back big time. Yes. And animal communication is one way of doing that. Yes. There's one more story I'd love to tell if Mm -hmm. it's possible. I got a call from a woman who said she had a dog that was 16 years old, a golden. And she said he hadn't been feeling well and she needed to know what he needed. So we set up a time, it was an emergency she felt, so we set up a time, and in working with her, she let me know that this dog, Mm -hmm. whose name is Lucky, had been one of the very first PTSD dogs, meaning working with people that have PTSD. But this dog was working with soldiers returning from active duty. It doesn't get rougher than that with PTSD. That's violence. That's really challenging for these guys. And she said, but... His human is is traveling, and I can't get a hold of him, and I need to know what he wants. And he said he was in a lot of pain, and he really needed help to transition. And I think he said in Two Sunsets, something like that. So we blessed him and said thank you and how much he's appreciated and how he's helped so many Um, But then right before we ended, he turned to me, Miranda, because I just, I stay out of the way. And he said, I have a question for you. And I said, for me, Miranda? And he said, yes. He said, we come and we teach you about unconditional love. We teach you to remember that you know how to love. But you tell us, there are too many of us, and so you kill us. Who will teach you, humans? Who will teach you? I didn't have an answer. Because that is such a sacred way of saying, I'm a part of this universe. I'm helping you grow. I'm helping you love. I'm helping you learn. And yet you kill us because you say there are too many of us. Yeah. Yeah. Plus his heart. Thank mm. you, Lucky. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You continue to teach buddy you do. A lot of people are going to hear you now. Mm -hmm. I'm excited
0: for people to get to know you. Our community is incredible. Uh, Yes. Just wait. (laughs) You've been working with a lot of them, but I'm excited for you to meet more of them. They are incredible. They're so kind Mm -hmm. and psychic and, you know, interested and thoughtful good. and good. it'll be really beautiful. And animal lovers. Yes. The animal lovers good. Yes.
2: Good, good, good. Yes. So
0: Mirandaalcott.com, you can take her course starting on June 1st. I would sign up today yes. to get into it. It is level one harmonious listening to connect with your pet, or you can get a session with her for behavioral or for medical or health if there's something wrong with that. But you can check it out, MirandaAlcott.com. We will see you later. Mm, Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much, Miranda. Again, that's MirandaAlcott.com. You can get a session for you and your animal today. And then you can also sign up for her Harmonious Listening Level 1 course, which helps you to connect and be an animal communicator yourself. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. As always, just bringing you
1: brands we love and use ourselves. All discount information is in our show notes as well as on almost30.com and to learn more about Almost 30 programs, offerings, and just more about us and the community, go to almost30.com.
0: We'll see you on the next one. We love you. Bye. Bye.